0: Hey everybody mark ahrensberg here with the pure now show this is episode number three today on the show we have canadian born john sabo john is a video blogger and podcaster residing in vietnam right now in denang we're excited to have him on the show i've known him about six months really great guy i'll let him tell you about his things and stuff here we go. This is John Simone. John, John thanks so much for being on the, the Pure Now show. Uh, John is a video blogger. Um, he's been living in Southeast Asia. How long have you been in Southeast Asia now?
1: Well, I've been in Southeast Asia for over two years. And uh, before that, I lived in East Asia for five years.
0: Okay. And And now you have become such a successful video blogger. I believe you have like over 16,000 subscribers, is that correct?
1: Uh, are you? T- if you're talking about the YouTube channel, I think I'm getting close to 27,000 on the YouTube channel. And then I have about 17,000 on Instagram. And, uh, you know, it's not a, a big uh, network yet, but it's growing. It's getting there. It, it, the, the real tough part when you're talking about YouTube, and it's getting harder all the time. And I'm kind of a little bit anti-algorithm in some ways. Like I use tools to find out what people are searching for, but in the end, I really want to do something that I want to do. I don't want to do it just because if I do this video about Bentan Market in Ho Chi Minh City, I'm going to get guaranteed so many views. I want to do stuff that actually opens people's minds up to other things besides the obvious. Do you know what I mean? Because I really think that when people travel and, and you know, this is the kind of content that I've been creating for you know, the last eight years, is, is that I want them to have a real authentic experience, not just a tourist experience. And in order to do that, you have to sort of branch out and, and do things that are kind of a little bit off the beaten path. And then the problem with that is, is that the way a YouTube algorithm works is it, it's, it's going to share out things that other people have already seen or are looking for. So if you do something new, it becomes a lot more hard to sort of share that out but um, But yeah anyway, so that's so I mean it, it, the the hardest part with YouTube I think is you know, you get past the 10,000 subscribers and you know, you have to have the views to go with it It's not just about subscribers, you know, that's a It's kind of like the social value, right? But but I think you know You get past 10 and then you get past 20 and then once you get past 20 then you know, I think the, the, the growth becomes quicker. It seems like that anyways. Yeah.
0: Well, you've had an interesting journey. I mean, uh, you know, video blocking, of course, is a relatively new uh, digital communication expression. Um, but you came from traditional uh, broadcast radio in Canada in, yeah. uh, way back in the day. And uh, I mean...
1: Which I, means I'm old.
0: <laughs> I think we're around the same old. But, right. uh I think for you, uh, you had some kind of a uh, an experience going into high school, whereby you were exposed to this new kind of thing. I think you you had mentioned to me that uh, there was a uh, high school radio station that was fully equipped with gear, and and one of your instructors or whoever was running the radio station brought you in there, and it just kind of blew up your head. I mean, this was the beginning of, of an, entirely, an an entirely new life for you and uh, and can you tell us a little bit about your discovery of radio you falling in love with it and, and how you so much embraced it that it, it became your professional career for a certain amount of time.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, I I kind of just fell into it, and I was really wanting to be a recording engineer. That was kind of my goal when I went into high school, and I'd heard that if your high school had a high school radio station or a radio club that used to join it, because if you do and you have that sort of experience, it always helps you you know, get your foot in the door at a recording sc- uh, studio or production house or something like that. So I started doing it, and I just immediately you know fell in love with it and and I was doing I was you know spending all my time outside of my classes at the radio station I became the general manager of the radio station and you know doing things to raise money to get better equipment and then you know a friend of mine was working in professional radio and while I was still in high school uh, he helped me get a job in professional radio working at a radio station and and I was like 17 years old and I was working and within a couple of months or so I was doing a little bit of on-air stuff with them just minor stuff but some on-air stuff and then it just kind of went from there I just kind of I, I did go to college for a little while but I didn't finish the course I you know there was things in my life that happened and then I got an opportunity that was not super far away from home um, and I took that and um, I kind of just never looked back and I, I did it for over a decade and i got tv experience as well i did live tv i did some video shows and um and then i taught broadcasting for a couple of years and then i left the business for a certain amount of time and and did a, a sales career and then i did kind of a 360 and uh came all the way back to media again as a uh, as a manager as a senior executive uh so it was kind of a nice way to finish off my media career is is kind of going right back. And and really, it was the radio station that I started at. I went back to be the general sales manager, and then that's how I finished out my professional, traditional media career in Canada.
0: But then something happened. Clearly, uh, you changed the entire trajectory of your life, uh, not just professionally, but uh, where you want to be. Which uh you know, you don't see a lot of that. Maybe we're seeing more and more of that these days because people want something different and, and if you want something different you have to leave wherever you are. And um uh, I know that you had to come to some terms with your life and make some decisions. And uh why don't you tell us about how that all transpired?
1: yeah i i mean i uh you know i i mean i've seen this story before as i'm not the first one to you know write this story about how somebody was in the corporate world and they weren't really satisfied they climbed the ladder and kind of got to the peak of where they wanted to be and found out that you know it wasn't all that it was supposed to be or cracked up to be i mean the money was there and i was able to do some amazing trips i was single so i didn't have you know any responsibilities all I had to worry about was myself and I traveled to Africa I climbed Mount Kilimanjaro I went on a safari Um, I went to Ecuador I did some mountain climbing there I uh, went to the Galapagos Islands Um, I went to Bali Um, I did some just amazing trips but one trip that really stands out was my trip to Tibet and it was just really life-changing i went to Everest base camp in on on the tibet side of uh, mount everest uh, or chomalongma as they call it in tibet and uh, then i went to mount kailash in western tibet very remote place uh, and it's a very spiritual place where hindus buddhists jains uh, go and um, circumambulate they do a, a, a walk around you're not allowed to actually climb the mountain it's not permitted it's forbidden what was the word you
0: just used circum what
1: circumambulation
0: circumambulation I, yeah so that's like a, i've ever heard that
1: word yeah that's a rotate that's like you're walking around something so okay. circumambulation so um and you do it clockwise because that's the buddhist way Jains will do it counterclockwise but hindus and and buddhists will do it clockwise so whenever you're it's a little footnote whenever you're traveling in Asia and you're at a temple or something like that, especially in South Asia, you always go clockwise around things. Um, if you know, if you want to follow the path, if you're in Tibet, the ladies will yell at you if you're going the wrong way. So, uh, you do this, you do, a, uh, it, it takes three days normally to walk around the whole mountain. So, and I hired a guide and that, and we, we did that. And, uh, and uh, apparently if you do it you wipe out your sins for a lifetime if you oh. uh, do that walk and you know some, if, if you do it 108 times which 108 is a very auspicious number in buddhism um you will become enlightened so uh, you know some people that are tibetan or, or buddhists in south asia will uh, especially of course if they live in tibet will try to make that a goal and then there's some uh, tibetans that will uh do a They call it a kora as well, K-O-R-A, or circumambulation. So they do a kora around the mountain and they'll do it as they're, they'll prostrate as they're going. So that's when they get down and they do this right on their knees and they, and that's how they, they don't walk. They prostrate the whole way. It takes about two weeks to do that. And some Tibetans you'll see doing that. Did you do that? no i didn't. no no i didn't i just we did it in two days we we uh I, the, the facilities you know, we didn't camp we uh used the the uh the guest houses that were there they're not the greatest guest houses so um you know rather than staying in kind of a real kind of smelly crappy guest house on the second night, we agreed to just walk the whole thing and then we ended up getting back to the start at about six or six thirty night It was a long day, but it was it was worth it to do that. <clears throat> So, um, so I did that trip and then I came back and was like, I just, I wasn't the same after that. I kind of looked at I mean, I had a beautiful loft apartment in Vancouver. I had the great job traveling, you know, I had toys and all that stuff. And it was just like, well, this isn't enough. Like this isn't really, you know, I, I, I could buy anything I want. and. So it's it's the same story that a lot of people tell. It's no different, but th- I guess the difference was is that I did actually act on my intuition or my feeling a couple of years later, when I was downsized and had the um, you know it, the position of either having to try to find another job doing what I was doing, which was pretty much impossible at the time because you know traditional media is is a sunset business. It's it's uh, it's slowly and slowly being you know, it's slowly, slowly deteriorating, right? So, I mean, there's less and less people working in it because there's just less and less revenue. The revenue is being shifted over to new media, to like Facebook or Instagram or or YouTube or wherever. So a lot of those traditional media um, places that used to just be like basically, licenses to print money just are not in the same position that they once were. So, I mean, when that happens, I mean, a lot of these companies are publicly traded companies and uh, they have to make cuts in order to keep showing profits to the shareholders. And I was one of those cuts. So I thought, well, I mean, if I'm going to spend the rest of my life, just like if I wanted to stay in that business and I really didn't want to do any other type of job like that. Uh, I mean, outside of that business um, that I would just be like struggling for years, you know, just, just trying to keep afloat. And and you know, now with COVID, I mean, I talked to people, you know, back home and in the States. And I mean, it's just, it's gotten worse and, and you know, and these jobs that are getting cut are just not going to come back. So I was just left with the, okay, well, what do you want to do? What do you really want to do? And you know, I mean, a lot of people talk about it, I guess they don't act on it, you know? And I mean, I know you did. And 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 uh, and I just decided to take a chance and 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 take a dive in. And, and I'd been to uh, Taiwan before, and I felt really safe there. And I thought, well, that'd be a good place for me to start. And I use that as a base, and I'll travel around. And uh, and and that's kind of how it all came together. But it's been eight years since I've been, you know, in Asia, uh, creating content and 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 you know, trying to find my voice and doing all kinds of different things. Um, So, you know, some people just kind of want to know ahead of time that, you know, they're going to have this in place and this in place. But you know, the reality is, is it's just, it's like you said, you got to kind of give up something to get something else and it doesn't happen right away.
0: Right. Well, and that's what we want to discover about you is you put a lot of time and energy into creating your persona, uh, creating a brand for yourself and and choosing selecting carefully this path that you put a lot of energy in and educated yourself and in becoming an expert in this field of video blogging and you know put your nose to the grindstone i mean i know it takes a lot of time to develop an audience um, and and to come up with original content content that you want to create like you said before not living and dying by an algorithm but Literally coming up with things that you want to do, that you want to present in your own way, have that essence of John Sabo uh, and and you've, you've achieved that. And I love what you produce and your videos are really engaging and informative. Thank you. And you're an engaging guy. I mean, what are you like, 6'6"? Six, six?
1: 6'4", t- I'm 6'4", six, six, four, four. and I, I don't, you know, and I know in Asia, it's, uh you know, it's, it's, it's really abnormal, right? And I actually I was watching this show on, uh, it was a Vice, actually, documentary on uh, uh, these, uh, this, this, group of people, including Dennis Rodman, that had gone to North Korea to do kind of a basketball exhibition, and they met, and I, I the, his, his name slips in my mind right now, but he's uh, he was born in 1967, he was a very huge North Korean basketball star, and he is so tall, and I saw him walking through the arena, and he was coming through, and he, everybody around him was like just miniature, and he was seven and a half feet. So I, I looked at him and I thought, you know what? I guess that's how people see me because you know I'm probably about a foot and a half or a foot taller than the average person here. So I guess you know, and it's just kind of like I look at him and go, oh my god, you know, if I saw him, I'd be like, whoa, and and uh, you know, I, I mean, it, it, yeah, I mean, I'm six foot four. <laughs> yeah, I'm but I, but I, I try to, you know, the thing is, like, I mean, I could be. When I was younger, I mean, uh, you know, I, I learned that, you know, I wanted to be approachable and, and I was a manager too. So you can't, you have to be approachable, right? In in management. So I'm kind of like one of the type of people that kind of almost like, I mean, I'm quite friendly and open because I know that I could be intimidating people just because of the height, not because I'm built like really big or anything like that, or I look mean or anything, but just that, you know, a, a taller person can be kind of intimidating. So I try to... So maybe that's where kind of the personality comes out is I just kind of I don't know, overdo it, but I, I try to compensate for my height.
0: Well, you are super friendly and you're in a, in a part of the world where everybody is my size. I mean, uh, we look like the movie Twins with uh, Schwarzenegger <laughs> yeah. and uh, Maybe not DeVito. quite,
1: but yeah, maybe not quite. But no, yeah. it's more extreme because clearly <laughs> you are just yeah. a
0: super tall guy and I'm yeah. a pretty small guy. But, uh I'm interested too in how that has affected your video blogging since you've spent all this time in Asia, you, you certainly stand out like a sore thumb. Uh, has that been advantageous, uh, in any way? Or has, has it been uh, detrimental to your ability to be able to do what you want to do in a uh, world of tiny people?
1: <laughs> well, I don't, th- I think I'm, it's, I'm, it's a blessing more than anything, that's how I look at it, because it's kind of like an icebreaker for me, because if I was just an average height walking through a place here, uh, you know, you will get a little more attention if you're a foreigner, depending on what type of market you're in. You'll, you know, the Vietnamese people and, and most people in Southeast Asia are quite friendly in, in the hosp- and South Asia as well, I, I should say, and East Asia, very friendly to foreigners and the hospitality is very good. So you're usually treated pretty well in most places. I know which places to go where I'm not going to get as much attention as other places, but I usually, it's kind of an icebreaker, I mean, I have to be, you know, there's some days where I'll be, okay, I don't want to hear another person say you're tall, and they say Gao in Vietnam, or Vietnamese that, is Gao, that means, and in tall. China, yeah, that means tall, Gao, and in in uh, Taiwan, or in China, it's. Um, uh, Wuhan, yeah, it's almost the same Gao, and I would say Wuhan Gao. I hear people talking behind me. You know, you learn the words so that you kind of know what people are saying. And uh, no, I, I, I mean, I, I haven't. You know what? I need a, I, I still want to have for some of my videos a, a camera person so that I can sort of be a little more engaging with the camera and the, my surroundings with the people around me. So I haven't really exploited that as much as I could yet, but I, it's something in my mind that I will do. And then I'll just tell you also, like, uh, we are talking about the uh, algorithm here. I need smaller ears. Um, the, uh, yeah, the. Um... You're listening to The Pure Now Show, a creative podcast for creatives presented by Balance. The thing is, like, honestly, I know, Mark, I know how to be. And I, I, I mean, I can tell anybody here on, you know, if they want to start a YouTube channel how to be successful really quickly and uh, if you're a foreigner in a foreign country and you adopt that country and, uh, and you, you either speak the language or you caption your, your uh, dialogue in the local language but you do it professionally, not with Google Translate. You have to do it professionally or you have to have a, a partner or person that will do the proper translation for you, whether you're in Vietnam or Thailand or uh, Taiwan. So if you do that, and you embrace the country, and people see that you love the country, and they can see what you're saying, like either you're speaking the language, or you're captioning it, you'll be completely successful. That's all you need to do on YouTube. But I don't want to limit myself to one place. I don't want to be like a YouTube star in Taiwan or Vietnam. I mean, I'm casting a wider net. It takes longer, and... um, you know, and you know, maybe it happens, maybe it doesn't, but, but that was kind of my goal when I was doing this. There's a lot of people that are really successful. The other thing is a lot of people, which is a real big advantage for people that are younger, like in their twenties and thirties, they do a lot of collaborations that really work. Um, but you know, I mean, it's, you got to find the right people to do it. And I ha- I haven't found anybody here. I mean, other than you to collaborate with uh, on, on stuff uh, I did in Taiwan. So that can always help you as well. But, uh, you know, that's kind of my philosophy and what I'm doing. And, and, um, you know, it's interesting because I saw, you know, Casey Neistat is is a very big YouTuber, one of the biggest. I mean, he almost pretty much pioneered the vlog. Uh, Him and his brother uh, were on HBO. They had an HBO show for, I think, uh, just a season one year in the early 2000s. And they literally pioneered the vlog style but it didn't last. But anyways, his brother, I, I saw his brother um, doing a, a, a vlog recently and he was talking about how when he was growing up and he was probably our age, maybe just a little bit younger, that, you know, this was all a mystery to everybody, you know, creating stuff. Like if you saw like David Lynch or David Mamet or Martin Scorsese or somebody like that, you just assume that they were brilliant to begin with. They were geniuses and they it just came to them. And then you know, but as we started getting more information and you see all these teaching, you know, online tutorials and classes that you can take now and they st- start sharing their story, you, you realize, which I thought was a good point that he made, was that these guys, you know, it didn't come easy to these guys. Like they worked really hard and for some of them, it took 10 years to develop their voice or their style. And then once they did, they kind of hit the right note Uh, It happens. So, you know, for people that want to do this type of thing, you know, you got to be able to put the time in, you know, don't you don't you agree like, yeah, well, of course,
0: I mean, uh, if you're passionate about something, uh, you have to develop it and it takes time to develop anything. And you're also in a world of competition where there's a lot of people creating content. There's a lot of video bloggers out there now. What I'm fascinated is you've made this transition from professional broadcasting into video blogging, but what was that bridge? So you came, you had this extraordinary experience in Tibet, and obviously this was a tipping point for you to want to continue traveling. I would imagine you had no interest in returning to Canada. You had found this new version of you perhaps, and, uh, and, and certain levels of creativity were stimulated through this. So what was it that, that drove you and 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 created the new uh John Sabo who's a video blogger how did the video blogging aspect of your life start and and because you've spent so much time at it you now earn a living doing what you love which of yeah. course is the ultimate success of any human being is generating revenue to live in a way that you want to live through your own creation And i think a lot of people would like to know how you do that because it's the dream of every person to make money doing what they want to do not doing what they have to do
1: you have to be prepared not to make much if anything for a while um i know that's hard for a lot of people to to grasp and i think that's why a lot of people don't sort of go after their their passion or whatever and I kind of approached it kind of like the radio career as well, where I didn't, I didn't have to worry about money at first because I was living at home, but I I did have, you know, some savings and things to keep me going. And and then eventually, like little by little, uh, you know, it it, it starts to happen. But I guess the, the the transition, I had this vision when I was on that Tibet trip, I was in Kathmandu on the last part of my trip, the last four days. And I just loved it. I didn't really do a lot of research about Nepal since, since then I've been to Nepal seven, I've been to Nepal eight times in the last 10 years. It's one of my favorite places in the world. It's magical. And, and I had this vision when I was there of, I I, I said to my friend, I remember, and he was the one that kind of helped me sort of make the the big move because he had the, he knew how to do websites and stuff. And he created my first website for me. And I said, you know, it would be really cool to like, not just be here in a place like this for four days, but actually live in a place like this for a couple of months and really like get to know the culture and just the everyday going to coffee every day at the, the different places and and just really feeling like you're a part of the place i had that vision think it would be if i could do a job like where i could you know work remotely or do something like that and he said you could do it. and then he started laying out different things and I, you know i have a, a radio career now while i was in this last part of my career i was also doing a lot of on-air stuff so that was also something that kind of you know, brought back my love of broadcasting. You know, I was, you know, I have a pretty good voice and, and, uh, you know, I'd been voicing, narrating and doing commercials for years. And it was, you know, once you do it after 10 years, you can pretty much, you don't have to think a lot. You you can pretty much do it. If you, anything you do, if you keep repeating it and doing the same thing over and over again, um, and I worked with really good people on top of that. You can do it. So when I came back as an executive in radio, I mean within a couple of weeks, they had me upstairs voicing commercials i be you know I did a lot of commercial voicing the programming also. I mean, they wanted me to do a radio show as well, like a weekend show, but I didn't wanna give up my weekends. And, um, but what I did do, which was a lot of fun, was I incorporated into my trips was, uh, was broadcasting. So the program director suggested when I went to Kilimanjaro that I take a satellite phone with me and maybe do a fundraiser, and then I could call in live reports from Kilimanjaro as I was climbing Kilimanjaro. And I thought, well, that's great. And I, I did it, I did pre-interviews, I was on local TV and promoted it. And I did that, and I was just—I I just started having these visions about. Well, geez, I would just love to do this all the time. This kind of stuff. Like, I—this I, is what I really love. This is my first love, always was. And um, you know, so the—you the, know—their visions mark their kind of dreams that you have or things, and you start—you start thinking about that stuff, and then you know, before you know it, it starts manifesting, and. You know, over a couple of years, this was going on. And then I did the traveling to Asia. And then, um, you know, I, like I said, I got uh, cut from my job. I had time to do some more traveling and think about what I really wanted to do. And I had people along the way that kind of gave me a little bit of nudges. They'd said, you know, why don't you just, you don't get you got nothing holding you back here. You do, most people will never do what you could do and you know so I had a lot of people that were really encouraging as well and then uh, you know I, I talked to friends about well, what could I do and one one idea was doing videos and I ended up actually starting a, a magazine I did a digital magazine for a year but I did incorporate video into that digital magazine and I published it on the iTunes platform with uh, you know proper uh, app and everything and uh, that was not very successful, but it was a good learning experience. What was the
0: digital magazine?
1: It was called the Far East Adventure Travel Magazine and uh, so it was photography, it was writing, it was video, me doing video, stuff like that. And um, I did that for a year and uh, it just was not getting anywhere. It's, um, I mean, you think trying to start a YouTube channel is hard, uh, I mean, the, the way they had, I don't even know if they have magazines anymore in iTunes, but uh, the way they I've had I've heard the it, word
0: magazine before, and I yeah. think it's from the past, but yeah, I don't hear the word magazine very much.
1: Anymore. No, no, but it was, you know, for iPad, so it was on right. the, you know, they, they had a, a section in the iTunes store. As I said, I don't even know if it's there anymore. I haven't looked in years. And, um, you know, so I I got started up. My friend helped me get this whole thing started, and I published one for a year. And it was, you know, I mean, you just need lots and lots of money to advertise to get yourself known out there, you know, in order for it to be successful. And you're going up against National Geographic and, you know, pretty big players, right? So it's pretty hard. So I did it for a year, not knowing really what I was getting myself into. Had, had I, you know, I mean, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, right? I, I would have just kept doing the videos or just, you know, focused on that, but it doesn't matter. Um, so I did that. And then, you know, but I was making videos all along and I kept making videos. And then I got into live streaming and I did that for a couple of years, like really big, like doing a lot of stuff like Periscope and Twitter. Periscope was new. Live streaming was all new. I got you know a couple of small gigs you know doing uh, some live streaming for facet uh, travel or taste made travel story in the states they contacted me and wanted me to do some stuff you know I got a you know little couple little gigs doing some stuff like that uh, always people coming to me you know because I was out there always sharing my stuff out and and uh, you know and I think you know you could see that I liked what I did so I think that helped um, and you know it was just like it's lots and lots of constantly you know producing stuff sharing it out um, and not getting a lot back you know at first mark it's just you know you you do all this stuff and you wonder why am i doing it but you're doing it because you love it and that's why you have to that's why you do it because you love it and you have to love it to do it and you have to almost kind of prove that out there before you start actually making a living doing it or actually being able to support or sustain yourself doing it. And uh, and then, you know, I've had other jobs that have kind of helped me keep going. I mean, I, uh, a couple of years I was making videos for a, a Korean production company, 360 videos, which, I mean, may come back, may not. I don't know. Again, it was a COVID affected uh, thing. I was doing some training, uh, uh, video training for some travel guides as well, like things to help sustain me while I was still, you know, making my videos and stuff like that. So, it's that sort of uh, not knowing what the future is that you have to be comfortable with.
0: Yeah, and I think that's where people are sort of pre-programmed to think that they need to generate a certain amount of revenue to achieve a certain status, uh, to live a certain level of comfort. Also people, their lives, people don't know about reducing the size of their lives so they can increase the quality. I think you and I have discovered this, that because we are passionate about being creative professionals um, and not always monetize in a way that can feed us, we both reduce the size of our lives in order to accommodate our passions. And I don't think that um, a lot of people understand that correlation between letting go of a lot of material so you can have more time and and less responsibility, quite frankly, uh, monetary uh, responsibility. So you can do the things that you love. Now this is not obviously a recipe for everybody. People have families. There's all kinds of different sure. types of people living different types of ways. But that's been my experience. I think it's been your experience is that by reducing our lives to a very manageable, a uh, place whereby we don't have a lot of intangibles. There's not a lot of things that are weighing us down. Of course, you and I chose to leave uh, our mother countries and come to a place that's super affordable. And, right. and that, of course, is very helpful in allowing us to explore more of our creativity by not having the financial burden of life in many ways, where we feel that we're forced to go to an office and we have to abandon our dreams. Um, I think more and more people are figuring that out. I'm hoping that COVID actually helps the young people of today and tomorrow to reassess what's important and that if they are passionate and creative, which everybody is, of course, just because you don't get the opportunity or don't create the opportunity to exercise and, and delve into your creativity, doesn't mean it's not there. I think most people are a little confused. They say, I'm not an artist. I'm not... everybody is, of course. Uh, It's just a matter. What do you flush out? What do you choose? What do you discover about yourself that you are passionate about that you decide to spend the time with? That is not based on monetary return that you're willing to sacrifice Even some aspects of the physical life in order to have the time and the energy and the freedom to do what you really like which is what you've done And that transition from your corporate life um, and deciding that this is not how you want to spend the rest of your days, uh, somehow fueled you through also uh, the inspiration of your trips abroad. Um, What I'm interested in too, which I'm sure our audience is, is you decided to become a full-time video blogger essentially and, and, and really... Dive into it wholeheartedly, regardless of whatever return on your investment of time was going to bring. How did you get from? I mean, of course, I would imagine you didn't come to Asia starving. You didn't come here with nothing. I mean, you were fortunate that you could come equipped to do this discovery and indulge yourself a bit. Uh, but not everybody has that benefit of you know leaving the golden parachute and, and coming with cash in their pockets. Some people are starting from scratch when they got here. And uh, although you didn't do that, you still had to find your path. You still had to figure out how to monetize yourself so you can live because you, you were not on an endless supply of cash. Uh, but now that you make a living via Google monthly, where Uh, Based on your lifestyle what you've chosen as a lifestyle in Asia and the reduction in your size of your life You now can live uh, pretty decently and but you you had to do a lot of work to get here. It didn't just come Uh, like you mentioned all these top-notch directors Scorsese and Mamet these guys started like everybody else with the dream with passion uh, with goals they had to work their way up to making themselves and and doing that work to achieve not an end result but a result where they can continue doing what they do and uh and live and that's really it how do you combine those two things your passion and and being able to live
1: well yeah i did have you know some obviously i had some money to make it easy for me to you know, but that wasn't gonna I, I couldn't do that forever and I knew that so that at some point you have to you know do something that can sustain yourself but what if you do if you don't have that well I mean I I'm also a podcaster mark I have a couple of podcasts the video podcast is pretty much the content from my youtube channel but I do an audio podcast as well I've been doing it for five six years now and uh, some of the things I, I talk about on the podcast are Uh, which I need to have you on. I need to be talking to you on my regular podcast. We need to do. Yeah, that would be great. But um, what I talk about too is like, you know, okay, first off, I, I mean, there's a lot of stuff you said there. So I'd like to cover off a couple of things. One off is the being able to give yourself the time to be able to develop your passion or your art or whatever it is whether it's cooking or making videos or whatever you need to get yourself to a spot where you can afford to focus as much of that of your time on that as possible so what did people used to do well there used to be a lot of cities where uh, you know a lot of artists would go to live because it'd be a cheap place a cheap part of town to live right like uh, the wholesale the wholesale district or the warehouse district or something like that you could get a loft really cheap or you know monthly rent or something like that that's pretty much i mean i think. With Over. the exception of maybe if, per day, maybe like a like a place like Detroit, you know that's done. Like that's just not possible. So you know what do you do? You you, you if you can, you get uh, you know find yourself a way to get to one of these countries in Southeast Asia or you know somewhere else or Eastern Europe or whatever. That's another place where a lot of freelancers are you know creative people go and uh you find a cheap place to live so that you know you can sustain yourself without having to do too much maybe you get a little part-time job doing something that you're good at doing or it's easy to do to keep yourself going while you're developing your art you want to spend as much time on your art as possible look at the artists the the great artists out there how did they get to where they wanted to go well a lot of them were just naturally talented picasso had a rich father he didn't have to worry about money um georgia o'keefe She married uh, uh, Steiglitz, right? He was rich, you know, a photographer. I mean, these people, there is something in common that some of these artists, not all of them have. Some of them came from rich backgrounds, which gave them the ability to spend more time on their art. And that's really what it, in order for you to develop something, you can't put a time frame on it. You can't say, I want to do this in one year, it doesn't always work that way. Um, and and so you, you need to kind of s- s- spend a lot of time and uh, on what you love to do. And you want to, and you're doing it because you love to do it, not because you can make a living at it, you want to put as much of your passion and love into it and not be thinking about money as possible. How do you do that? Well, you know, I've even said to people, look, you can, you can come to Asia and work 25 hours a week as an English teacher and make enough money to live and then you can spend the rest of your time, you know, creating or doing whatever you want. Start a business. You know, there's, there's all kinds of things that people, there's ways, you know, you, you, you don't want to just say, well, I don't have the money. I, I you know, John, you know, he's rich executive. He had all that money. He could just take off and do whatever he want. Well, you know, it doesn't last forever. And, uh, and I know not everybody can do that. But there are things don't, you know, I would say don't let money alone get in the way of following your dream. I've met people that have literally nothing that have been able to accomplish their dreams. I met a guy in Cambodia, very come from came from a very poor family. He found a way to go to university for free in New Zealand he got a scholarship he's like a PhD now in zoology or something and 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 he did it with nothing like he had nothing and he was able to do it because he had a dream and he believed in his dream and you know people need to sort of like think about what they really want to do where they want to really spend their time I mean you only got one life you know and it goes by really quick you know how how do you want to spend it do you want to spend it helping somebody else accomplish their dream or do you want to live your dream? You have to decide. Now, sometimes you do have to help somebody else with their dream as a way to lift you so that you can start on your own. You know, Sometimes you have to sort of make a little deal and say, okay, well, I'm gonna help this person because I need to make some money. I don't have any other way to get some money right now. I'm gonna help them with their dream, but I don't wanna forget about mine. But so many people, And I just saw this documentary about the WeWork, the whole WeWork thing and the WeWork culture and how all these people got drawn into this guy that was the the CEO of WeWork and selling this whole philosophy about the new way to work and not me, we and all this. And a lot of people got really drawn into that. In the end, he ended up leaving and getting this big payoff. And a lot of people were disillusioned by that but they were following his dream maybe they felt it was theirs as well but it was his but uh, that's what i would say to people is like how do you want to live your life do you want to um you know do you want to live your dream or somebody else's?
0: well it's like do you lead or do you follow and i think you just articulated that with that story um i mean whenever we follow we're not really doing we're not telling our own story we're following and that's all those people following somebody else's story and yeah. that's and, and that's going to be disappointing in the end when, because it's not yours. This is yeah. somebody else's. I mean, that's what we all fight about anyway. It's Somebody else's story. John, it's been awesome to have you on the show. Really appreciate it.
1: Always a pleasure, Mark. All right, man. Cheers. Take care of yourself. All right. Be Thanks, safe. Mark. See you later. Cheers. Okay. okay. Bye. Bye.
0: If you enjoyed the Pure Now show, you can check out more episodes at balancestudio.tv or anywhere fine podcasts are broadcast. Pure Now is produced and engineered by Hi Ha Dang. Thanks so much for watching.